Hello and welcome to our latest Regulation Tomorrow Plus podcast on the FCA's intervention in the motor finance sector. My name is Simon Lovegrove and I'm the Global Director of Financial Services Knowledge here at North Maris Fulbright. Today we're going to cover the FCA's recent policy statement introducing temporary changes to the handling rules for motor finance complaints. For this, I'm joined by Matthew Gregory and Katie Stephen, partners in our London Financial Services team, Managing Director of Risk Advisory for EMEA, Hani Sadar, and Senior Associate Joe Banford. Matthew has particular focus on retail conduct matters, including in the consumer credit sector, and Katie is co-head of our contentious financial services practice. Matthew and Katie regularly work together on conduct and governance matters, including remediation and redress exercises in this sector. And together with our risk and compliance professionals, they have been closely following the subject of today's podcast over recent years. So in this podcast, we're going to be discussing the work the FCA is currently carrying out in relation to discretionary commission arrangements, or DCAs, which were used both by motor finance firms before the FCA banned such arrangements in 2021. Matthew, great to have you with us today. Perhaps you could start by setting the scene and give us a brief overview of what the FCA is doing and why. Yeah, thank you very much, Simon, and hi, everybody. So look, there are two parts to the FCA's intervention in the sector. The first is that the regulators decided to use its powers under Section 166 of FISMA to carry out a review of certain historic discretionary commission arrangements, or DCAs, as you say, and sales across a number of motor finance firms. And secondly, whilst that review is taking place, it's introduced temporary changes to the uh, handling rules for motor finance complaints. These changes are introduced in a policy statement, which is 24-1, published on the 11th of January this year. And under those changes, the FCA is effectively putting a pause on firms responding to complaints that relate to DCAs for nine months. So with effect from the 11th of January, there's a pause on the requirement for firms to provide a final response to a complaint about motor finance uh, agreements involving DCAs within eight weeks of receipt. And consumers also have 15 months rather than the usual six months to refer DCA complaints to the Financial Ombudsman's uh, Service or the FOS, uh, subject to certain constraints around when they receive the final response from the firm. In terms of why the FCA is taking this action, uh, the FCA has previously found that DCAs can harm consumers as they create conflicts of interest with strong incentives for the broker to earn more commission by increasing interest rates. And that led it to ban DCAs in January 2021. In the years since the ban was introduced, many firms in the sector have received significant volumes of complaints and claims from consumers, for example, under the unfair relationships provisions of the CCA, in relation to historic DCAs and and other historic conduct. The FCA found that motor finance firms had been rejecting a lot of these complaints because they don't believe, uh, the firms don't believe they've acted unfairly or caused their customers loss based on the applicable legal and regulatory requirements. Some of the complaints rejected by firms have been considered by the FOS and importantly, there are two recent decisions upholding uh, specific DCA complaints and it's these decisions which have prompted a significant increase in motor finance complaints for consumers and really these have acted as a a catalyst for the FCA taking the action that it is now taking. Okay Matt, thanks for setting the scene. There are essentially two things that the FCA has done, begun a section 166 review and introducing temporary complaint handling rules. So let's look at the section 166 review first. What is the focus of that review? Yeah, thanks, Simon. Uh, Through the Section 166, the FCA is looking to assess whether the historic use of DCAs means that a significant number of individuals could be due redress or or some other form of compensation 
from motor finance providers because they paid uh, effectively too much for their car loans. So the skilled person uh, has been appointed to carry out the review and will produce a report on how a sample of firms carried out motor finance sales before the FCA introduced the ban in 2021 on DCAs. This includes sales uh, before the FCA took on the regulation of motor finance and other consumer credit firms in April 2014. And the skilled person is going to look back over time at a large sample of customer files to review the arrangements between lenders and brokers, that's often, often dealers, uh, as well as the information provided to consumers at the point of sale, such as how commission was disclosed. And obviously, there's a distinction between uh, fully secret and half secret commissions um, and, and all of the case law that we know around that. So the findings um, of the review are intended to help the FCA decide whether consumer complaints should continue or whether an alternative approach is needed to resolve uh, this potentially market-wide issue around, again, potential misconduct in an orderly, consistent and efficient manner. Key areas of concern for the FCA centre around conflicts of interest, as I mentioned a moment ago, with the FCA having found in the past that DCAs provide strong incentives for the broker to earn more commission by increasing interest rates. If, as a result of its Section 166, the FCA finds that there has been widespread misconduct and that consumers have lost out, it will identify how best to make sure people who are owed compensation receive an appropriate settlement in an orderly, consistent and efficient way, and if necessary, resolve any contested legal issues of general importance. That intervention may be by way of a consumer address scheme, for example, under Section 404 of FISMA. Okay, thanks, Matt. You mentioned that the catalyst for the FCA's action is two FOD decisions. Joe, if I could bring you in now, could you give us an overview of these decisions and talk us through the key conclusions reached by the FOS? Absolutely. Thanks, Ivan. So each of these decisions related to a complaint made by a consumer about the commissions that are paid by a motor finance firm to a credit broker under a DCA. In one of the cases, the consumer had taken out a conditional sale agreement to buy a car, and in the other, it was in respect of a higher purchase agreement. In each case, the consumer complained that the firm had acted unfairly by, first of all, paying the broker commission, which was not disclosed, and secondly, by using a commission model that linked the broker's commission to the interest rate on the agreement while giving the broker discretion to adjust the interest rate and therefore the amount of commission that they could receive. In both cases, the FOS found in favour of the consumer, and it was based really on similar conclusions. And the reasons that the FOS uh, put forward were that, first of all, uh, as it has been already referenced, really, that the use of a discretionary commission model created an inherent conflict of interest, as the broker was obviously incentivised to set a higher interest rate than the lender would have accepted, so the broker could receive more commission. Secondly, that uh, in each case, the lender, by introducing and operating the DCA on the terms it did, acted contrary to FCA guidance that differential commission rates should only be offered where they are justified based on the extra work involved for the firm. And in doing so, they failed to treat the customer fairly as it, they were required to do by principle six. Thirdly, um, and, and for both of the reasons I've just mentioned, the conflicts of interest and the failure to comply with Principle 6 and the FCA guidance um, led the FOS to conclude that in each case, this might create an unfair relationship under the Consumer Credit Act 1974. And then very finally, the lender and the broker in each case were also found to have failed to adequately disclose the DCA structure, which created an inequality of knowledge and understanding, potentially another Principle 6 issue. Thanks, Joe. Lots to consider there. Katie, if I could bring you in now. I mean, in your view, what should firms be doing now? 
Yeah, thanks, Simon. Yeah, I think there's quite a few things that firms should be thinking about. Firstly, of course, there are going to be firms that are subject to the 166, the skilled persons review, and the focus for them is going to be obviously on engaging with the skilled person. But for all firms, there's going to be enhanced regulatory engagement and the potential for FOS or uh, litigation um, arising. And firms that have previously had DCAs will do well to prepare for that kind of um, uh, uh, scrutiny um, and and maybe increased engagement. And that's going to require them to review their complaint handling processes and be ready to handle a large volume of, of, of complaints. And they need to keep in mind that the regulator's views on DCAs may evolve as complaints handling gets underway, and they're going to have to be prepared to adapt to regulatory guidance in a in a timely way. And then there are going to be firms within the motor finance sector who may not have had DCAs, and it's probably not a good idea for them to just sit back and do nothing. The key point is that they need to anticipate the additional queries, and they're going to need to review their historic policies and arrangements so that they can provide clear responses. Firms also need to be mindful of the FCA's requirements in the Dispute uh, Resolution Sourcebook or DISP, and in particular uh, DISP 1.3.6, and that builds on Principle 6. And uh, one of the things is that firms need to think more broadly about how customers who haven't complained may still nevertheless have been impacted by the issues being raised in complaints. And then finally, firms in the motor finance industry will need to be thinking about the consumer duty, the duty requires firms to take steps to ensure that products provide fair value and prices to customers and are designed to meet their needs. And these are all areas that are likely going to be of interest to the regulator in 2024 and beyond into 2025. Thanks, Katie. Um, Hannah, a lot of what Katie's just described in terms of the actions that firms will need to take will require some significant operational adoption. Is that a fair comment? Thanks, Simon. Yes, it certainly will do. Firstly, firms that previously had DCAs will need to prepare for enhanced regulatory engagement and potential false litigant action. Also, firms within the motor finance sector that may not previously have had DCAs will also need to anticipate additional regulatory queries and be in a position to provide assurance that their historic arrangements would not, in fact, be classified as DCAs. Now, to do this, they will need to review their historic policies and arrangements in order to see what extent they fall within the scope of the regulator's DCA concerns. Firms should also need to be prepared to adapt to regulatory guidance and provisions in a timely manner, as the FCA's views on DCAs and complaints handling uh, might well evolve as time goes on. Another important point is that firms that previously had DCAs will need to review their complaints handling processes and prepare for large volumes of complaints. Whilst the FCA has not provided explicit guidance yet on exactly how complaints will be handled, firms will need to prepare themselves um, for increased, um, will need to prepare themselves for increased volumes. They will be expected to mobilize quickly when the FCA guidance is issued and begin reaching outcomes on complaints, providing redress where needed. And for those firms that have already been subjected to a skills person's review, they may need to take action based on the result of the review's findings. Also, um, given the increased scrutiny um, on historic arrangements and the likelihood for public interest, which we think will be high, it's likely that motor finance firms will be required to provide assurance to the regulator 
that current regulatory standards are being met. This will include the consumer duty requirements issued in 2023, requiring firms to take steps to ensure products give fair value and prices to consumers and are designed to meet their needs. So areas that firms may need to think about operationally here include product design and value assessment reviews, reviewing terms and conditions, disclosures and financial promotions, looking at the customer journey, commission pricing structure reviews, product governance arrangement, design and effectiveness, and also considerations around the senior manager's regime, governance and risk effectiveness. Okay, thanks, Annie. Um, Matt, before we end, any final thoughts to bring this all together for our listeners? Yeah, thank you very much, Simon, and to everybody else there. I, I mean, there's clearly a lot to think about, isn't there, for uh, firms in the motor finance industry, whether they've uh, applied DCAs in the past or not. There's a potential for these firms to be subject to the, obviously the skilled persons review at the moment um, as part of the FCA's current work, but also, as we heard, for the potential in significant increase in complaints from customers over time and increased was action. Uh, obviously, there's the potential uh, significant uh, redress payments, which may be required as a result of the FCA's findings um, as it moves through this diagnostic phase in 24 with the skilled person. I mean, I, the other point that I would make, and it's being picked up by others, is the read across implications of the FOS decisions for firms in the consumer finance sector, both within and without motor finance. I really don't think that should be underestimated. You know, going through the themes that Joe uh, articulated earlier, particularly those in respect of conflicts of interest and the bargaining position, as well as obviously, I mean, this comes off the back of um, a number of years of um, claims uh, in court and also the complaints, as we know, that the FOS has been looking at and Wooden Pengeli and so on. So I think all of that um, really needs to be uh, taken in the round and firms should be looking quite carefully at their historic arrangements, but also, um, as, as we heard, looking forwards in the context of the consumer duty. And as Katie mentioned, in particular, thinking about DISP 136G and what that might require, plus, of course, the ways that DISP will be um, uh, amended um, for consumer duty in scope business. All of those things could effectively cause a ripple effect out of the those two FOS decisions and the work that the FCA is taking. So I think the, the macro message here is that all of this, not really just confined to um, motor finance necessarily, um, but clearly firms across the consumer finance sector will be watching this very closely over the course of the, nine, the next nine months to find, um, to find out what the outcome will be from this diagnostic phase uh, and what the FCA intends to do next. Thanks, Matt. And thanks also to Katie, Hannay and Joe for sharing their thoughts today. Uh, that concludes this podcast. Please look out for further updates on this and other topics on our Regulation Tomorrow blog. And if you would like to discuss anything we've covered today, then please do get in touch with one of us. Many thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.